0: Fight Back on Zuma Radio. Here is Libby's Zneimer.
1: Welcome back to Fight Back on Zuma Radio. I'm Libby's Zneimer. And last hour, we had a lot of interest in our talk about March being the fraud prevention month. And, you know, it isn't just a matter of phone scams, bank scams, credit card scams. We also have auto scams. And here to talk about it now, we have Terry O'Keefe, who is the Director of Communications at the Ontario Motor Vehicle Industry Council, and he is a trusted contributor here at Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Terry.
2: It's always a pleasure. And you're right, there's a lot of people out there that are trying to rip you off when you're buying a car.
1: Okay, tell us about it. So uh, are we talking curbsiders?
2: That's a very good place to start. Curbsiders are illegal, unlicensed dealers. So these are people that are in the business of buying and selling vehicles, but they're not registered. They're not licensed. Uh, They ignore all the rules. And in Ontario, the law is very clear. You have to be registered uh, with OMVIC, whether you're a dealer or salesperson, if you want to sell cars. So as I said, curbsiders are illegal dealers. And the most common source of inventory for them is salvage auctions. They're buying vehicles that have been written off by insurance companies, uh, conducting dubious repairs, uh, and then selling them off to unsuspecting consumers. And another thing that we're seeing uh, very common with curbsiders is they're also buying vehicles from out of province and rolling back the odometers and then selling those off to unsuspecting consumers. But they're, they're posing as private sellers mm-hmm. because they, you know, they don't, they're not operating a dealership. So they advertise as if this is their own personal vehicle that they're trying to sell.
1: Okay. Let's just give out the numbers to call before we get further into this. It's 416 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. So if these curbsiders are posing as a private seller, they put in an ad, what are some giveaways? How can you tell?
2: Very often the price is below market value. Uh, and they're selling these vehicles below market value because they are actually salvage vehicles or they have rolled back odometers. So they've bought them very cheap. And so it looks like a good deal. Um, another telltale sign is the vehicle isn't registered in their name or it's only been registered in their name for a few months. Uh, not all curbsiders, you know, some some of them do register the vehicle into their name. Many, though, don't. So the fir- first two questions you should ask if you go to see a car that's being sold privately is can I see the ownership and can I see your license because I want to make sure you that the person selling the car is the registered owner and they'll have an excuse oh I'm selling it for a friend I'm selling it for a family member but that's a huge red flag and probably time to walk away right there.
1: Hmm. and uh, again you're talking about the price and uh, if it if it's too good to be true if it looks too good to be true it possibly is yeah. probably is
2: that's a warning not an opportunity absolutely uh some of the other things very often the curbsiders don't want you to take the car for a test drive particularly if it has mechanical issues so they'll come up with a way to prevent you from taking it for a test drive there's no plates on it oh i've taken it Uh, the insurance off it they'll tell you so you can't take it for test drive you can just drive it around the parking lot
1: who buys a car without a test drive
2: many 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 people unfortunately Uh, and and you know i literally have spoken to people that have bought vehicles from curbsiders that only drove it around a parking lot and when they go to take the vehicle home it they don't even make it to their home because the transmission the transmission is shot But, of course, it didn't show up driving 10 or 15 kilometers an hour around the parking lot. But they couldn't take it on the road because it wasn't plated.
1: And do you have any recourse if that happens to you?
2: When you purchase from a curbsider, because they're not a registered dealer, your only recourse is going to be to the courts. Having said that, please report curbsiders to OMVIC. We will investigate them and prosecute them. But that doesn't mean that uh, we can assist you getting your money back because it's it's deemed a private purchase. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've purchased from a registered dealer and something goes wrong, of course, OMVIC is there to protect you. We're there to try and negotiate on your behalf. And there's the Motor Vehicle Dealers Compensation Fund that will assist. But when you buy privately or from a curbsider, you're on your own.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, people like to buy privately. Usually it saves money.
2: They often think that, but I... We actually did some research last month. We uh, hired a company to go into a, a very popular online marketplace, scour it, do data research. Take a guess what percentage of the private classifieds for cars were placed by curbsiders in Ontario. And this is a province that's known for very uh, yeah, aggressive curbsider enforcement. Take a guess. Uh, 50? All, well, 28.7%. So over a quarter of all ads replaced by curbsiders. In British Columbia, it was 60%. In Quebec, it was 55. So, yes, there's an oppor- there might be an opportunity to save a bit of money buying privately, but there is an incredible inherent risk that comes along with it.
1: Okay, let's uh go to the phones. We've got Ben in Oakville. Hi Ben.
2: Oh, hi. Uh,
3: thank you for receiving my call. A question that comes to mind is what about the individual who sells their car privately? And I've um, most times I've done that because, hey, I have low mileage, I look after my vehicle, and I've not had anyone come back and challenge me about having sold them a lemon or anything. And uh, I have a little concern whether that would because I have a vehicle that I might be doing that again.
2: Yeah, Ben, there's absolutely nothing wrong with selling your vehicle privately. Uh, you know, it... it by all means, you, you should do it if you've had good experiences doing it in the past. Uh, but as, as I was mentioning earlier, yours will be one of the 72% of legitimate private ads online. It's the other 28% that people have to worry about. And and a, a legitimate private seller is going to let you take that vehicle for a test drive. They'll let you take it to your mechanic to have it inspected. They'll provide you with the used vehicle information package, the, the, that report that the the Ministry of Transportation requires private sellers to provide. Curbsiders often don't. Curbsiders might even often, oh, I can get the uh, the vehicle transferred into your name for you. You don't have to come down to Service Ontario to do it. And they're doing those things because they don't want you to find out the true history of that vehicle. But if you know that the purchaser is a legitimate, bona fide private seller, by all means, there's nothing wrong with dealing with that person.
3: The only thing I, I'd like to ask you, one question is, when you said about the history of the vehicle, um, what does that include? Like, for instance, I've not sold a car that's been in an accident or has been in an accident, and I didn't sell it because it was in an action. I let them know that the cost of the repair and the repair work was in my mind, satisfactory. I've been driving since 1950, And-
2: uh, Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and Ben, and I, I commend you for that, for that forthrightfulness that you're you know, providing that information to the purchaser. There's two different types of history reports when people are looking to buy a vehicle. There's the used vehicle information package the uvip as we refer to it and that you buy at service ontario and it will tell you all the previous owners of the vehicle in here in ontario and it will give you historical odometer information
1: Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, so who gets that? Does the buyer provide, the seller provide that, or does the buyer have to buy it?
2: The law requires the seller to provide it, but very often that doesn't happen, and the buyer is left, if they want to transfer the vehicle into their name, they're going to have to buy it themselves. How much is it? It's $20. Oh, okay. It's, it's not a large
3: amount. I've got to go for my driver's end uh, of the week, and, uh, because of my age anyway. And uh, my, my thought here is, uh, when you look at the ads that you said, uh, privately sold, oftentimes you'll see the number, and then you look down farther, another vehicle for sale, and this number is so-and-so, and I've been tempted to phone to see if it's a theatership or, or a curbsider, because I, I am certainly one of those guys that would like to see those guys caught and get, uh, not a fine, but a jail term.
2: And, and Ben, that's very astute of you, that you you can actually pick out private ads but they've got multiple vehicles for sale. One of the things that, you, that a, a consumer can do if they're calling about a supposedly private ad is say, I'm calling about the car for sale. And if the person on the phone says, which one? <laughs> you know that you're probably dealing with a curbsider. But you raise a, another really interesting point. Is it possible that that private that ad that looks like it's a private ad belongs to a dealer? Yes, it's possible. Mm-hmm. But if it is, that dealer is advertising illegally. Ontario's Motor Vehicle Dealers Act is very clear. If a dealer places an ad, it has to include the dealer's registered name and registered phone number.
3: Would you not agree with me? It, it would be in the interest of the enforcement units to check the paper and see just for a chance to set up the program to catch that individual to get them away because sometimes I think we're too lenient in a lot of things and ripping someone off for a, a lot of money uh, and not getting what they... Had a right to expect, and were expecting. So well, I admire what you're doing now, and I thank the station for this program and and Miss Nymer. Uh, thank you. For uh, I, I miss uh, Dale Goldhawk.
1: Oh, he's he's only been gone since Friday. I know,
3: but but what am <laughs> he's I enjoying should, himself. Should I
1: call you Goldhawk? No, no. Uh, huh, huh. Call me Libby. Oh. Oh, okay, Debbie. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, you're absolutely right, Terry. Do you have any kind of uh, statistics on how many curbsiders get prosecuted?
2: Last year, we charged over 200. For Ontario only? That, Yeah, we only were the regulator in Ontario. Uh, I can tell you that, well, one that's before the courts right now uh, – his, his name is Mehran Amini. That's actually one of seven or eight different names that he uses. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time that we charged and prosecuted him, he was convicted for selling 42 pickup trucks that he bought out in Western Canada, rolled back the odometers and sold them here. The next time we charged him was less than two months after he was convicted on that charge. And um, by the way, he was fined uh, $393,000, he and his company. Uh, we charged him again, and he was convicted again, and he is currently in prison. He got a 450-day jail term, and on March 21st, he'll be back in court for sentencing on a third conviction. We've actually prosecuted him a third time, and he'll be back in court for sentencing on that.
1: So is this his first time jail time?
2: This is his first time in
3: jail, yes. You know, you talk about that jail time. Do you remember, I don't know what any of you remember, when you got into court and you were fined, you got uh, fined, say, $50 or 10 days in jail. They don't do that anymore. And now, I think there's over a billion dollars owing in these fines to the government?
2: Uh, I, w- I don't know what uh, well, all the provincial right. offenses there's fines are left owing. Over a billion owing.
3: dollars owing. And, you know, uh, even the criminal cases, when, when they find them, uh, there's uh, no jail time, just so long to pay. And then what happens? And, you know, there are a lot of people who were stomped in different incidents. And there, I don't know, there's warrants for their arrest for an unpaid fine. You'd be surprised how quickly um, people come up with the money.
1: Okay. Uh, ben, thanks so much for your call. Uh, we're going to take a quick break now, and we will be right back with more on curbsiders and other scamsters.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zuma Radio. Heard weekdays from 11 to 1. Fight back on Zuma Radio. Here is Libby's Nimer.
1: Welcome back. I'm here with Terry O'Keefe from OMVIC, and we'll ta- we're talking about people who want to scam you when you're trying to buy a car. The numbers again, 416-360-0740 or one 740 4740 And Terry, we've been talking about curbsiders, but they are not the only scammers.
2: No, there are people out there, frankly, that's organized crime uh, overseas. That are quite happy to rip you off. Uh, whereas curbsiders might sell you a car without disclosing its true history or rolled back odometer, these people are going to sell you a car that you will never see, but they're going to get your money. Mm-hmm. And how does that one work? There's basically two different versions there's the phony private seller and there's the phony dealership. So you see uh, an advertisement online, whether it's on Craigslist, Kijiji, Auto Trader, and Often they're unique cars. They're always cars that seem to be in very good condition. Sometimes they're exotic vehicles, you know, Maserati, Ferrari, Porsche, that type of thing. Uh, And they're always advertised at prices, very, very attractive. Mm -hmm. If it's the phony dealership, you call up, you'll, you'll find out that suddenly that car isn't for sale in Toronto, where it was supposedly advertised. It's at a dealership in the United States. Uh, And they'll have a reason for that They took that car in on trade From a Canadian who bought something from them So they're advertising it up here Because it's all Canadian specs They'll have all kinds of different excuses That's a common one And they will direct you to their website And it will be an amazing website That dealership will look incredible It will have hundreds of vehicles in inventory It will have dozens and dozens of testimonials From very happy customers They'll even go on third party sites Yelp, things like that, and put up testimonials. The dealership doesn't exist, and neither does the car. They're going to ask you to wire them the money or wire them a deposit, and then they'll string you along if it was only a deposit to try and get more money out of you. That car is never going to be delivered.
1: Mm -hmm. How can you – I mean, if you look up the dealership – Will you find a phone number listed with it?
2: You will, have uh, because they'll have a website that's going to have it. And very often these scam artists will also use the name of a dealership that did exist but has gone out of business in the last two or well, one or two years. So there's a history online with that name. These guys are very, very good at what they do. So they'll actually pick a dealership's name that has a history online and use it.
1: So, so how do you defend yourself?
2: Well... Don't buy a car that you haven't seen. Don't send money for a car you haven't seen. And if it is, an, if it's the car you've been searching for, because very often these are they pick cars that people are looking for, searching for. Before you wire them, ten, fifteen, a hundred thousand dollars. Spend a couple of hundred dollars and hire a mechanic or an appraiser in the town or city where this vehicle supposedly is because it's going to be far too far away to drive to. So spend $200, hire an appraiser, and get them to go and look at the car. They can tell you, hey, you know what, does the dealership actually exist? And they'll also appraise the car for you while they're there. Uh, That's probably the safest way. Mm -hmm. Um, Contact the regulator in that province or state. Uh, OMVIC is the regulator here in Ontario. You can find out if any dealership or salesperson is registered by going on our website, or you can call us. Call the regulator in that jurisdiction where this dealership supposedly is. Find out if that dealership is actually still in business. These are just some of the things that you're going to have to do.
1: How how common is that?
2: Very very. And they change names. They change websites. We will put out an alert to consumers to warn them about a particular phony dealership. They've operated under Ambient. They've operated under Sprint. Um, and they chose the name Sprint because they know people are going online, doing a little bit of due diligence to themselves. Everybody uses Google Street View. So they'll you go to Google Street View, and you search the address, and it's a cornfield in, in Oklahoma. This is a true story. Yeah. So they figured out that consumers were doing that. So the next time they opened up a phony dealership online, they, they you chose the name Sprint Auto, and they chose an address for a Sprint telecommunications building so that when you used Google Earth and you went there, there was actually a building in the background that said Sprint on it to try and give it some oh. legitimacy. So these guys are very, very good at what they do, and, and they'll – they know exactly how to trick you, so you've got to take those extra steps. You know, when you buy a vehicle outside of the province of Ontario, you lose any of the protections that the, the legislation we talked about earlier provides. So you've got to take those extra steps to protect yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. It sounds like that is really targeting a high-end customer who is, uh, you know, into collectibles or a fancy car or something like that. Because you wouldn't probably do that for, you know, just. Something to take you from point A to point B.
2: That's exactly how it started, Libby. Was with those thirty to hundred thousand dollar vehicles, but we've seen in the last six months, uh, the last one I saw was actually a six thousand dollar Ford Ranger. Really, you know, a little Ford Ranger, but the p- pictures of that car, it was immaculate, and it had really really low kilometers, so or low miles. So it was it was a very attractive, but then you start going why are there palm trees way in the background in this picture? Why can't I see a license plate on this vehicle? It's supposedly a private ad because they all look like private ads to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no license plate in the picture. Uh, there's there, The seasons, why is there leaves on trees? There shouldn't be this time of the year, and yet there is in this, this picture. So the scam artists haven't... Sometimes they're just lazy, frankly, and they're using old pictures, putting up ads. Uh, And so there's some of the just by looking at the ad, there's some things that should instantly have your your warning radar going and taking steps to protect yourself.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, Terry, we only have a few minutes left. Could we talk a little bit about people who actually want to sell their car? Mm -hmm. Um, What really should they do uh, to show that they're for real?
2: Well, things like that. If you're going to take pictures of your vehicle, uh, if you don't want it to look like it's one of these scams, you know, the license plate. It, it, some people will blur it out. I, I'm not quite sure why, because it, it, that information is available. Someone that gets the VIN off the, the dashboard of your car, they can go to Service Ontario and find out that the registered owner of the vehicle. Uh, but it, it it's, it's tough. If you're going to sell your car yourself... Uh, I think there's there's three different ways you can sell your car. You can sell it yourself and all the, you know, yes, you're probably going to make the most money. uh, But if you chose to trade that vehicle in, you're going to save taxes, Mm -hmm. of course, because if you got $10,000 trade-in value for that car that you were trading in, you're going to pay, you know, $1,300 in tax you won't have to pay. Or you can give it to a dealer to sell on consignment. And basically, the dealer sells it for you, and often they'll take 10% of whatever it sells for, and then you don't have to worry about the, the, the headaches. Uh, make sure that you get a proper consignment agreement from a dealership if you do that that sets out the estimated selling cost and the minimum selling cost, those types of things. Mm-hmm. But if you did that, you would be protected by the compensation fund should something go wrong. But selling your car privately, you want to make sure that you have the used vehicle information package. If there is a lien on that vehicle, be very truthful with the people that are calling about it because they're going to find out when they see the UVIP that there's a lien on the car. Uh, Be uh, open and forthright if the vehicle's been involved in a collision because consumers know about vehicle history reports like CarProof and CarFax. You know maybe you know if the car's never been involved in a collision or even if it has, you might want to buy that vehicle history report ahead of, ahead of time to give to people it's it, it It's a demonstration that you're being open transparent and and, and fulsome with them
1: mm mm-hmm. i mean it's it's interesting I mean there are a lot of things that come up for for people who are thinking of selling a car there are safety issues uh it's, It can be a little scary uh and for people buying a car, obviously uh, a lot of issues
2: it's 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 a big purchase uh it's a big transaction it's selling a vehicle you know you, you want to make sure you that uh you don't just accept a check right you make sure that it's a it's a bank draft or a certified check uh there's things that selling a vehicle that you're going to have to do to protect yourself And buying a vehicle uh, know your rights get educated go to omvic there's a lot of information there for car buyers whether they're buying from a dealer or privately
1: Any other final word you want to have for our listeners, Terry?
2: Anybody that's looking to buy a car from a registered dealer in the province of Ontario, make sure you educate yourself there too, particularly around the advertising rules. Dealers in Ontario are required to advertise all-in prices. Don't uh, allow a dealership to charge you excess fees on top of an advertised price. That's illegal unless it's for HST and licensing. Uh, And should a dealer attempt to spring these hidden uh, fees on you, report them to us.
1: Okay. Terry O'Keefe from OMVIC, thank you so much.
0: Always a pleasure. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from 11 to 1. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to 1. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to 1.